Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas. The greatest arena on earth, every game, match, race, and competition. It is always on. Whoever you root for, whatever sport you love to watch, the biggest games are even bigger in Vegas. So make sure to plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. A lot of things to get to. A lot lot of things to get to. But let's begin. Let's begin with the story of the moment. The story of the moment is Sean Payton is stepping away from the New Orleans Saints as their head coach. Now, this is really important to mention, and I've I've told people this before, but I don't know if we do a good enough job of relating. Now, there is like a new Sean Payton movie, right? But when I see the Saints, or I I think of the Saints, when I think of the New Orleans Saints, and I think of Sean Payton, it's fascinating to me how few people understand. For Sean Payton, the Saints were essentially the Lions, right? They had they had never. I think they'd won one playoff game in their history, or no, they hadn't won a playoff game in their history. I believe I hadn't won a playoff game in the team's history. And under Sean Payton, you know, first, you know, once they got Drew Brees as their quarterback. They won 10 games. What is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Okay. Eight times he won 10 games in a very difficult division, one that produced other Super Bowl teams, right? Tampa went to a Super Bowl. Atlanta went to Super Bowl. Carolina went to Super Bowl. The Saints went to two Super Bowls and won one. So Sean Payton, who's considered like an Andy Reid type of savant play caller, remember, He's also the guy who told the Dallas Cowboys to when he was with the Cowboys and and with Bill Parcells to draft Tony Romo. And they didn't draft Tony Romo. They signed him as an undrafted free agent, and he became their starting quarterback. So eye for talent, great play caller, and a guy who carries a ton of respect because he's actually won a Super Bowl, is stepping away, which points to a couple things. One, these are really hard jobs. Yes, they pay a lot of money. But yes, they're very, very, very taxing jobs emotionally in terms of time spent. Secondly, I I think the broadcasting thing, because it's now become a viable option, and I joked earlier on Twitter, like, now he's going to go fix Drew Brees as a broadcaster. But the last thing is the obvious thing. He's incredibly well-respected in Dallas, and Dallas is, eh, yeah, we got a coach for now. That guy is going to be lurking much the way that, um, um, you know, other coaches, Jimmy Johnson, when he went into broadcasting, how many times was he offered a job? Bill Cower has been offered a job 10 times over, right? Tony Dungy obviously is, could, could get back in if he wanted to get back in. And it, it's going to come down to whether or not 
how much money he can make in broadcasting, how much he misses it, and how good a job would be available. But, man, Sean Payton being on the open market or Sean Payton stepping away, that is a massive change in the NFL. That is a massive change in the NFC South where you have, you know, two coaches in Carolina and Atlanta that are wildly unproven. Tampa is is either in rebuild mode or reload mode, and it all depends upon Tom Brady, and then you have the Saints. Then you have the Saints. But to anybody who questions Sean Payton or says, what's the deal? But big deal about Sean Payton, just understand that, um, that Sean Payton uh, took over the Saints and the Saints were, they weren't at the time as bad as the Lions had been recently, but that organization generally thought of as like a Lions type of organization. It was the, they can't ever win, you can't win there, and he did. I don't think he left because he's frustrated with Taysom Hill, with Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. I think he's just worn down by the job. I think they're in a bad cap space, but I think he's just worn down by the job. And you try something new, and if it doesn't work or you don't like it or it doesn't fulfill your desire to be a part of a football team, he can always get back in. That's the truth. The, the difference is you walk away from football as a player, you're likely not going back as a player. You walk away as a coach, especially one as respected as Sean Payton, there will always be a home for him. Always be a home for him. Dan Byer, when I say Sean Payton, what do you think? Super Bowl champ, number one. Onside kick Super Bowl? Is that is that is yes. that how, how yeah, right? Yes. Yes. That was that was all part of it. Um the uh I mean that it was <laughs> Oh, a funny story for some other time on that onside kick, but uh, that is number one. I do think I do think Bounty Gate uh, enters into the conversation, but I don't think that it uh, tops Super Bowl Forty Four for me. And then um, to your point, turning the franchise around, yeah, because they were the Aints. They that's who they were. the The paper bags that you would see, you saw most of those at the Superdome with Aints on them. Mm. Yes, they were. They were. They were the Aints. Jay Stu, what do you think of when you think of Sean Payton? Um, I, I skew negative on most things in life. I go right to Bounty Gate. Um, he he was suspended for a year after that, if I'm not mistaken. If you already mentioned that, um, and I think that that was like at the moment the biggest thing in sports for a long time. Actually, pain players. It wasn't probably the first time it had ever happened, but it was the first time that someone was dumb enough to get caught for it. I remember uh, Williams, the defensive coordinator, got fired, and the players were vilified. Um, So when I first think of Sean Payton, I think of that just because it was such an aberration sports story, you know? Yeah, it was was a bad one. There's no question. It was, a, and 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 so you understand about Bounty Gate because you're going to have a lot of people. You'll hear Bounty Gate, and this is important. Uh, it, just like it's important for us to tell you how bad the Saints were before they got him. They had one playoff win under Jim Haslett in 2000 before he got there. The the same is true to paint the true perspective of Bounty Gate. He didn't get suspended because uh, because they had bounties. He got suspended because they were doing bounties. Somebody told the league, the league told them to shut it down. He said, aha, aha, aha. And then they did it anyway. And then when confronted about it, uh, 
they denied it, and there's tape that exists of the bounties. That, that's why. It, it really, it's only, and it was also during a time in which the NFL was being sued with this concussion lawsuit, so they were trying to appear as tough on players' safety as, uh, as possible. Right? That's the reality to it. That's the reality to it. Um, so I know you skew as negatively as possible. My point would be, and, and look, they've, they lost on three consecutive, either controversial or miraculously disappointing endings in the playoffs after coming out of Bounty Gate, right? When they finally got back to the playoffs, they had the, the, no, the non-pass interference call uh, against the Rams. Then they had the miracle in Minnesota where he had a rookie defensive back not see Stephon Diggs as he tried to tackle him and a play that could have ended the game ends up ending the game in a loss. That was probably his best team. Um, And then, of course, they lost at home to the Minnesota Vikings as well in a game in which they had a miraculous comeback and Kirk Cousins beats them in overtime. All three crazy endings, crazy losses in the playoffs with Super Bowl caliber teams with Drew Brees later on in his career. But I, like, there's, there's the domino effect to it. You take Sean Payton out, now all of a sudden it puts added pressure and an obvious answer for Jerry Jones if he doesn't like the way Mike McCarthy's doing things next year. It also sets into motion a likely landing spot, what's been said potentially at Fox for him on TV, and then who they hire and what they do at the quarterback position, incredibly important. And now that division becomes somewhat up for grabs, especially if Tom Brady walks away. That's, that's all in that decision. That's all that took place. All that took place. Yes, Jay Stu. Um, and, I'm I'm a little shaky on the details of this. If the uh, if he goes and coaches somewhere else next year, the Saints will get compensation. Is that correct, Dan? Anybody? Yeah, they'd have to. Yeah, to, yes, that would that would be the case. So the Cowboys would would give up players or their head coach, maybe. Uh, the Raiders would have to give up players. It would it would be a compensation. Yes, thing. going to New Orleans. Yep. Uh, in 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 how how long does is that last? He's for? under contract through twenty twenty four. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. Huh. I had no idea. None. That's that, that. So now that's if the contract remains. If they tear up the contract, that changes, right? I mean, like if you uh, d- yeah, is you were why, t- you know, I mean, why if, would they? Yeah. But is he still being paid? Yeah, he's. Um, I think forty-five million dollars was left on his contract. Right. So, so th- what what will happen with that contract though is there'll be a buyout. There'll be some sort. Of, they'll give him some money to walk away, and with it, they'll probably nix that that uh, part of the deal. Right. All of that will go away probably at the end of next calendar year in football. Don't you think? Well, yeah, but he's if he's still under contract, I believe that that would be. You know, when, no, but he wouldn't still be under contract, right? They, like if you have you have forty five million under contract, and you say I'm going to retire, they say, all right, let's let's negotiate because if they had negotiated a buyout, then they would be scot free. I just don't I don't see that they would negotiate a buyout. So then they're going to pay him all forty five million dollars and not coach. Well, I don't think that they would. I I don't think they would have to pay him if he's not coaching. But he would just he would they would almost be like the team would retain his rights. Like if like Bruce Arians left Arizona. 
and took the year off and went right. to Tampa. Right. They had to swap late round picks to make it work. Now Arizona's like, all right, whatever. We didn't want Bruce Arians around anyway um, when he left, so they made it work. But if you're the Saints and it's the Cowboys, and you know there is a bit of a rivalry between those teams. It's not like it's not like Saints Falcons or you know. Uh, Cowboys in Washington or or anything like that but it's I mean you know there is a bit I don't I don't know how you could let him go scot-free if he went to Dallas I I that I agree with but I think the the provisions and the length will probably be changed as if you're not going to coach they're going to negotiate a buyout or some sort of conclusion wrap up to the contract and that that's how it would that's how it would go that's how it go all right we got more on, on that upcoming be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Bucky Brooks joins us, of course, a former player, uh, former scout, now a coach, and he's part of the Move the Sticks podcast, which is awesome. He and Daniel Jeremiah. Um, I guess let's go in chronological order. Let, let's start with, with the Bengals. Everybody's pointing out the nine sacks. And the fact that Joe Burrow kept getting up and making plays, but he was able to get keep getting up and making plays because Ryan Tannehill kept throwing interceptions. What did you think of the game planning and play calling by the Tennessee Titans? Uh, look, man, it wasn't the best performance. I think it's, it's tough because you're bringing back your workhorse in Derrick Henry, and he's been gone for half the season, so he's trying to shake off the rust while um, – getting into the mix in a playoff game. And a playoff game is much different than uh, a regular season game in terms of the speed and the intensity. And so he was a little rusty. I would say with Ryan Tannehill, um, he's a guy who has always been very dependent upon play action. And when you have Derrick Henry and play action and everything going, it works. He just had a bad day. I mean, he was just off the mark. And it's unfortunate for him that it happened in a postseason game. But with the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that, needed some confidence early in the game. Man, the turnovers gave them life and allowed them to get comfortable. And as you know, I mean, once, you, once you're comfortable and once you feel like you can play and then you feel like you could possibly win, it's a game changer. That's kind of what happened. Both one seeds lost. Um, does, should this change the way teams look at pursuing that one seed? No. I mean, ultimately, you, you would like to have home field advantage. It didn't work out for either of those teams, but – Sometimes it goes, but I think it's better than not. It's also easier to play two or three games, two games to get to the Super Bowl than three. Uh, It's just unfortunate that both teams had a bye week and came out and and went home. But I don't think that's something that as a coach you're like, no, I don't want that. Uh, You would welcome the number one seed. You just have to play better when you get that opportunity. Okay. What was wrong with Green Bay's offense? You know, it's weird, though, because when I look at the Packers and I look at their postseason struggles, the last 14 home games, they're 7-7 seven and seven compared to being what whatever they were, 20-0 and 0, uh, prior to that. And I wonder, because they're so dependent upon the quarterback and throwing, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily most conducive to zero-degree weather with snow coming down. And as much as I love the quarterbacks and running the game for the quarterbacks, and that weather, you need to be able to run the football and be committed to running the ball. And for whatever reason, they just didn't do it. And Aaron Rodgers picked the worst day to play his bad, a bad game. He didn't play great. And he ultimately has to wear that. He didn't play well. And at a time in a weekend where we saw great quarterback play, yeah, 
he wasn't in that conversation in terms of the way that he played. I think I think uh, AJ Dillon got hurt, right? They didn't have Bakhtiari, and I also think if it's if it's fair, he didn't play well. But this a lot of a lot of that stuff is they play in a bad division, and. They've had a lack of overall offensive talent that he's able to. Why is he able to cover it up in the regular season and not as he's able to cover it up in the postseason? I would say this: like, is that necessarily him covering up? Because I think their talent is actually pretty solid, um, but he has to be willing to trust the other guys. And so this is what happened when you have older quarterbacks. Yep. Older quarterbacks tend to increasingly rely on the guys that they know. So in that game, the ball went to. Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones. Those same players that he was throwing to during the regular season, he decided not to target. Even on a critical, it was like a second and 10 or 11, he threw the ball to Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb hadn't been there forever. And so older quarterbacks, particularly after they get hit, they begin to rely on the guys that they know and trust. And for whatever reason, he didn't trust Alan Lazard and those guys because Alan Lazard was wide open on that the third down play that he threw down the field to Devontae Adams. He has to trust his teammates. He didn't show enough trust in them. Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, okay, let's get to the Sunday games, which are incredible. Let's start with the Rams. Uh, obviously, they nearly gave the ball away, gave the game away with the four fumbles. But from your eye, how do you think Matt Stafford played? Look, man, I thought Matt Stafford was good for the most part. I think he was in control of the game. I felt like the Rams were in control of the game. The one thing that happens, and sometimes I'm sure you've been on the court where there's a boogeyman on the other side, and that boogeyman is Tom Brady. And what happens is when you're a Rams team and you're close to being able to advance, you start clock watching instead of playing. And that clock watching is even more magnified when Tom Brady's on the other side. And then Cooper Cup fumbles it, and they score. And now – Everyone does this. Oh, my gosh, here we go again. We're going to mess around and give Tom Brady a chance. And they couldn't. They just kind of kept fighting against themselves and fell apart. But the thing that worked out for them and it may embolden them going forward, Matthew Stafford did something that I don't think any of us expected. We kind of expected the Rams to sit on the, sit on the ball, go to overtime. He throws two dimes, and they win the game. And so you can – take the opportunity to learn from that moment while still having another chance to play. And I think it gives them a little confidence going into a game which they face another nemesis, the San Francisco 49ers, who absolutely own them. They, 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 they do own them. We'll get to that in a second. Um, okay, the, the Bills. Um, I made the point yesterday, you, you can't lose that game. 13 seconds to go. Hardman's not back there uh, returning the kick. And Tyreek Hill's not back there during the kick. There were, it felt like there were multiple mistakes made in terms of decisions by the coaches. Decisions by the coaches. Uh, if it was you and you've been, you are, you've been a head coach, what would you do differently? Well, I mean, look, I, I think high time is twenty twenty. Obviously, if you're Sean McDermott with 13 seconds left, you would like to kick the ball and play and make them burn up some of the time. But here's what no one recognizes when they talk about that. The punt return that Tyreek Hill had that went for 50 yards, it had to spook the coaches. A 50-yard punt return makes you like, I don't know if I want to kick it. They can take it back. I don't know. And so then they try and play it straight. And then the last two plays where they were trying to get it right, look, you want to play soft. You don't want to give up anything. 
but you have to put your hands on their best receivers because the clock is your friend. And so if you put your hands on the receiver, even if you hold them all over the field, the clock runs. And so I understand that you're trying to play it safe. They played so safe that they actually gave Pat Mahomes an opportunity to win. And it's unfortunate because you don't get a chance to fast forward next year and get right back to that same spot. That's a tough one. Yeah, it is. It is a tough one. Uh, how obviously we all know what Mahomes is and and th- this is unbelievable, right? We're talking five years in the in in the league, four years into as a starter, and he could be playing in his third Super Bowl and probably should have been playing in a, in a fourth. Uh, but what about what about Josh Allen? Long term, should these this be our expectation? Oh yeah, I mean I think the quarterback play is so great in the league right now. And in the AFC, you better have a real dude to have a chance to come out of the AFC because between Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, I mean, Lamar Jackson, I mean, there are quarterbacks upon quarterbacks in that league. And you not only need to have a quarterback, but you need to have a quarterback who has the stuff, meaning the tools and the talent. What Josh Allen was able to do is, really, and I said this when he was drafted by the Buffalo Bills because those guys in Buffalo were in Carolina. Josh Allen is very similar to what Cam Newton was, but a much better and maybe more consistent passer than Cam was at the end of his career. And so what they're able to do at the end of games, they're able to utilize him as a basically a single-wing quarterback sure. running it while still able to do the RPOs and the passing game. What he was able to do the other night is remarkable. And for a guy who's sometimes can be a little up and down, man, his highs are so high that you have to be excited if you're a Buffalo Bills fan. Yes, except at some point you're going to have to play the Chiefs, and I don't know how you get over that loss on Sunday. Can can the Bengals beat them again? Oh, yeah, they absolutely can beat them. You know, I think what people have to go back and look at, Jamar Chase had almost 300 receiving yards against the Kansas City Chiefs. And so coming off a game in which Gabriel Davis went over 200 and had four touchdowns, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to look at the tape, and they're not going to be afraid, particularly on offense, to face the Kansas City Chiefs defense and the front that the Chiefs have is not nearly as good as the one that we saw from the Tennessee Titans so I think people need to gear up to know that this is going to be a shootout Um, for Cincinnati to win it though they have to be able to play from in front and they have to be able to control the clock so the guy to me who's probably the biggest part of their game plan is Joe Mixon because if Joe Mixon can run the football if he can get near 100 yards and they're able to kind of play the game on their terms I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cincinnati Bengals make their way to the Super Bowl. Hmm. Uh, Bucky Brooks joining us. What about the Rams taking on the Niners? The Niners, as you point out, have owned the Rams. They've owned them. So this would be the toughest test for the Rams because it ain't about the talent. The Rams are the more talented team. The Rams have more star power than the 49ers. But what the Rams don't have is they don't have the confidence in knowing that they can beat the 49ers. And the Niners walk onto the field in their stadium knowing full well that no matter what, they've been able to beat the Rams. It's hard to vanquish an opponent like that. And so for me, the best thing that they can do is to jump out on them fast. Because what the Niners have been able to do with these opponents is they've been able to kind of grind it out, salt away the game, lean on the running game, Jimmy Garoppolo make a play or two, and that's been enough for them to get it done. The Rams have to play fast from the jump, play ahead, and then Sean McVay has to find a way to keep his foot on the gas and they can't get caught up watching the clock. If they right. do that, man, they can, they can knock off the Niners. 
Bucky, great stuff. Football's been awesome. Your podcast's been awesome. And, of course, you can listen to Bucky Brooks, okay, Move the Sticks, or co-hosting Sunday with Mike Harmon. Okay, this is leading up to Dan Byer's show. So it's uh, uh, him and Mike Harmon, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday on Fox Sports Radio Championship Sunday. This is your place as Bucky will break down what you're going to see and what you are seeing. Bucky, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, appreciate you, Doug. Pleasure's all mine. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up with you, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, your home for live sports. That means all sports. Every game, match, race, competition, it is always on. Now go on, plan your trip at visitlasvegas.com to see the best and brightest in Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Um, Okay, so it's 6 o'clock Eastern time, so that's in one hour. The Baseball Hall of Fame inductees will be announced, and there is new movement to get Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Okay, and so here is, let me give you a couple of things, which there are younger people, Carl Anthony Towns, I know tweeted out earlier today that Barry Bonds belongs in. Uh, Chris Jenkins, who, if you want to listen to my All Ball podcast, the guy was the hero for Villanova when he made the game-winning three-point shot a couple years ago. Um, he essentially tweeted the same thing. The younger generation believes Barry Bonds should be in. The younger generation is completely ill-informed. Right? So here's the first thing. You'll get people that say ba- steroids weren't illegal. That's not true. It's not true. They didn't uh, have official tests for steroids. Okay, so it was a on-your-honor sort of deal. Much like in golf, where on your... But obviously golf, very, very different. So the, the first thing is there is a, an entire generation of people that believe steroids weren't illegal. That just, frankly, isn't true. When you start the conversation with the lie, it's really hard to have a conversation. So if you want to tell me that steroids weren't illegal and everybody was doing it, you can go with that, okay? Did that work with your parents? Everybody's doing it. If, if Johnny went and stood in the middle of the freeway, would you do it, right? That's what your mom and dad would all say. The first thing is not everybody was doing it. If it wasn't wrong, if it wasn't wrong, do you know what Barry Bonds would say about steroid use? Of course he used steroids. It wasn't illegal. It wasn't frowned upon. Everybody used it. I used it, and it helped me. He's never articulated as such. His trainer went to jail covering for him. He did the I never knowingly used steroids when everyone knows he was going to Balco for a reason. His head size grew. His production was better. He, he wasn't washed up, but he was, as most players do, in their 30s, fading off into the sunset, much like Roger Clemens. And he went back to becoming the most prodigious home run hitter we've ever seen. If you want to tell me that it was illegal, you're wrong. If you want to tell me that that no one thinks it's, it was wrong, then why hasn't any of these guys said, yeah, I did it. And, oh, yeah, by the way, while I don't like that Pudge Rodriguez is in the Baseball Hall of Fame, a guy who most people believe used steroids, he wasn't involved in the Balco investigation. It's like, 
you get caught speeding. Somebody else was going 90 and zipped past you five minutes before you were speeding. And you're sitting there going like, I was speeding, but that guy was going faster. That doesn't actually work in real life. This is real life. What I need somebody to tell me is, tell me any profession where midway through your career in that profession, you break one of the core rules of that profession. You cheat, in other words. And then you expect to be rewarded as one of the all-time greats. You know, I was watching Wolf of Wall Street uh, the other night. Actually, one of my daughters was, were watching Wolf of Wall Street, and then we switched to Fargo. It was getting, you know, that thing got a little, little graphic, right? So, Wolf of Wall Street. You got, you know, that guy's real name, right? Jordan. Uh, what, what's his name? The the real guy, Jordan Belfort, right? So he plays Jordan Belfort, who is a real character, right? But he also spent 22 months in jail. You know what they're not going to do for Jordan Belfort? They're not going to name buildings after him and teach the ways of Jordan Belfort. If there was a, if there was a finance or a uh, stockbroker Hall of Fame, Jordan Belfort wouldn't be in it, would he? If you're a brainiac and you get a little extra help, you even get the questions on the SAT and you get caught and you get a 1600 on your SAT, do they go, hey, this guy got a 1600? No. You can't get into any college. So I, I need somebody to tell me any place where a guy midway through his career, no matter how well he's doing, and Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer, was a multi-MVP, was a great player, decides to cheat. And gets rewarded post-career. You can't take his money. They won't take away his records or his numbers. The only thing you have left that matters to anybody is the Hall of Fame. And the Hall of Fame is full of guys that don't have virtue. But this was a lack of virtue which directly affected his performance and also screwed up how we look at the entire rest of baseball. So you can sit here and tell me If you're like 25, like, oh, yeah, he should be in. What's the big deal? That's because you're ill-informed. You have people spreading the story that steroids wasn't illegal. Of course it was illegal. And if it wasn't wrong, how come none of them come out and said, like, hey, it wasn't wrong? Because they all know it was wrong. Think about how we still view the Patriots, how we view Tom Brady. You know, until Tom Brady went on this redemption tour in Tampa, he was despised because of Deflategate. The only thing that helped him with Deflategate was when they reinflated the footballs, he actually played better. Imagine if you found out that he'd been doctoring footballs and, and breaking rules or his ability to play at 44 was helped by performance-enhancing drugs. It would nullify the last 10 years of his career. In your mind, it absolutely would. Why doesn't it with baseball? Where the numbers are all that it's about and the numbers are completely skewed. And if we would all agree, and if, we, if I'm wrong, if we'd all agree with the general premise that guys are bigger, faster, stronger now than they've ever been, right? They had a live leader ball. If steroids didn't really help, well, why are the home run numbers not nearly what they used to be? Of course they helped. They, he did them. He helped. He elongated his career, which kept 
hundreds of players out of the big leagues. It completely changed how we look at all-time numbers and who's in the Hall of Fame because it's hard to not remember the Barry Bonds years, the Mark McGuire years, the Sammy Sosa years, which were all a facade. All of a sudden, it screwed up how we looked at older players and our expectations for what they're supposed to play like in their late 30s. It's fake. It's phony. It's deception. It's not real. And it strikes at the core of what sports is about. Are you better than the other guy? Through your work ethic, through your intelligence, through your hand-eye coordination, through your, through your, your own natural ability. And we will never know. I've often thought that the reason Mark McGuire was so broken up when he finally admitted he wasn't just on Andro. He was on all kinds of steroids. Everybody knows that. And it took him years to finally come clean. But the reason it hurts him so bad is because he'll never know exactly how could he have broken Roger Maris's record without steroids. We don't know. And most, more importantly, he doesn't know. Shame on you, Jeff Passan. Shame on you. Okay, to me, you're a great reporter, not good, great at what you do. Okay, and I understand that writers are who vote you in and out of the Hall of Fame. I get it. Okay, but if we're going like we 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 do this with so many other things in life, like imagine going to your spouse and saying like, hey, listen. At the end, I cheated. But the first part, I was a really good husband for 20 years. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. The core of what you are as an athlete is how hard you work. You got natural ability. How, How can you get better? And, of course, there's a natural cycle at some point in time that you come to that end. Clemens and Bonds rob father time, but also rob baseball. Shame on you, Jeff Passan belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's a museum. Tell me a museum that puts an artist in it. Okay, go to the Louvre. Tell me a painter. Guys, tell me, tell me an artist who cheated, who somebody else did it and claims credit for it. Do you think it would hang in the Louvre? Everybody uses the museum. Well, it's just a museum. Do we honor people in museums who have cheated to attain their success and have been proven to be cheaters? No. Why do we do it with baseball? Because we liked long balls? We liked home runs? Jay Stu, where are you on the the Bonds Hall of Fame? Keep Bonds out and keep all those guys tied to steroids out. Um, You know, that whole thing about if there's a wing, create a wing, and Bonds is the best steroid user of everybody. He, He was the best on steroids, but like... I, I went to Cooperstown, I think it was two summers ago, and they do have like a steroid mentioned part of the museum. It, it's, it is mentioned there. Um, I think Dan Patrick today said, uh, go ahead and put everybody in, but on their plaque mentioned that they were linked to steroids. I don't think that that's punitive enough. Um, I just say, if you weren't good enough or if people didn't think you could, could go in five years ago, ten years ago because of this, then you shouldn't be allowed in, period. Uh, Dan Beyer. That, uh, cause where do you draw the line? You know, like if for in this specific case of this class, you've got a rod who was what busted twice. Abs- you know? a- so a rod's an absolutely not right. Yeah. Okay. So why wouldn't Barry Bonds be, um, well, just for 
just for everything that that uh, Jason said and what you said, at some point I think that you have to you have to suffer some sort of penalty, and this yes. is the only penalty that you would have. I mean, waiting ten years is not a penalty. I mean, guys have waited ten years to get in the hall before and 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 have gotten in and. And so that's no penalty. It's just a part of the process. So there's got to be, there has to be some sort of penalty. And this is really it because they made millions. They, you know, led teams to victories. It was during the whole time, there was no drawback whatsoever. It only came afterwards. So we're all in agreement? Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and, and look, you're, you're allowed to, so, so you would say, so you think eventually you put them in just in a special wing, Jason, or, and that where you are, buyer? No, I'm I'm not in a special wing. I'm not in that. No, I'm case. not yeah. either. I, I'm just saying that I went, and there is like a a wing of the museum is dedicated to the steroid era. There already is that, so I guess they could be mentioned there. Is but it three it, you know, times bigger than the other wings? Like <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's actually bo- the boneless wing. <laughs> the, the... Hilarious. Uh, that, that means that it's not actually a wing. They have a they have a nugget. They have a nugget. Like, can, can, can I get an amen on this? Like Jason Stewart's boneless wings or wings? They're not wings. Please don't call boneless wings wings. Uh, Big Mike disagrees with you. He he's on my side. So I got Big Mike. Am I supposed to be scared of Big Mike? <laughs> yes. Is that, is that it? Oh. Yes. You're scared of Big Mike. I'm scared of Big Mike. Byer, where are you on the wing argument? Whether I, not, I eat wings both, wings. but I I don't I I call them whatever they are. I call them chicken bites. I call them boneless wings. I I, I will I'll boneless eat wings either. are not wings. Okay, so, I, I'm okay if you like them. You're allowed yeah, to like. them. I do like them, of course. Right? I mean, it's it's basically like a small. It's Chick Fil A has has their own basically chicken nuggets. Right. Yeah, I'm not saying you can't like them. But I'm I, saying please don't insult my intelligence I, and call them a chicken wing. But I do. They're th- not a chicken wing. No, but I do think that like, Chick Fil A's chicken nuggets are different than what you would get at Buffalo Wild Wings. Sure, which are different than the, what you would get at McDonald's, which you would get at yeah, at Wingstop. I I get it. there's chicken chunks. There was Charlie's Chicken in Stillwater, Oklahoma, right? And they had these big chicken chunks. They also had catfish chunks, which are wildly underrated and delicious. Right? But anyway, I, I digress. What about if I'm, some of the boneless wings still have some of the cartilage uh, in them? Like sometimes they do. Like does that count? And just you know, sometimes you just get a bad one. No. <laughs> what? Those are the no. worst. Oh, you don't no. know? You mean they have like, what? They have like stuff that's not part of the. Chi- I mean, no, I that is, but it's is just it's the not the meat. It's just like oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I've never noticed that. I just chow down, man. You only have the high quality. Okay. <laughs> I don't eat high quality. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like, you get a 20-piece somewhere, like, there'll be 19 good ones and one where it's just like, oh, yeah. Boy. yeah. You know, I went so I went no sauce for so long that now that I've gotten back into, like, Chick-fil-A sauce, it's amazing. It's really. And then, I'm, and then I, like, feel bad. Like, wait, am I, am I somehow taking away from the flavor of the, the, the chicken nugget or chicken chunk by dipping in the sauce? You know, when I just want to taste all the natural flavors of the chicken nugget, and I need that natural flavor of the grease matching with the salt, matching with the breading, matching with the chicken, matching with whatever is binding it to the chicken. Bayer, you're a, are you a barbecue guy always? Um, no, with Chick-fil-A, it's uh, solely honey. Not honey mustard, regular honey. I'll just put honey on the chicken sandwich, no pickles, or I will dip in with the – actually, I go tenders now more than the nuggets at Chick-fil-A, but I use straight honey. 
They always go, honey mustard? I go, no, honey. Like, <laughs> honey. Um, okay, what about you there, uh, uh, Jay Stu? Are you a, do you dip or do you just go El Natural with the nugs? Or with the, sorry, the boneless wings? So I, I usually have a dip. Yeah. I, you're, you're asking me, I get it uh, seasoned a certain way and then I also dip it? Yeah, that's what I do. Okay. Okay. Ramos? Um, I don't like anything really hot, so I, I would stay away from that. Not you guys, but me personally. I like mine to be, um, ooh, I like honey mustard. If I'm going to dip it in, it would be honey mustard. Is this Chick-fil-A only that we're talking about here? Or, or did we transition? Uh, no, okay. no, we, we kind of transitioned. This is a text from Big Mike. Big Mike run, <laughs> runs our studio. No, he doesn't, Who, but that's oh. okay. He does not run oh, our dude. studio. Let them all in. Let them all in. The only thing they're doing by keeping them out is sparing MLB's reputation for allowing steroids to infiltrate their sport as badly as they did. <sighs> I thought I thought he was texting you about the yeah, Buffalo Wings. <laughs> no, if MLB didn't want them in Cooperstown, they should have done more to keep cheaters off the field in the first place. <laughs> if we're keeping the score, though, uh, Big Mike has given his opinion about Bonds, and John Ramos hasn't. I mean, have we heard from is, is John the one dissent vote in, in this room, John? Uh... I would say no. Would you say no what? Okay, so so <laughs> do you think Mike Piazza used steroids? I don't even know what you meant. Do you think Mike Piazza used steroids? Do I think he used them? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I would say if I just had to throw out a word, I'd say yes. Okay. I believe he did too. But I don't know it, and there was no true investigation. And that Kurt Redemski was Allegedly. Redemski, was it Redemski that was the clubhouse lackey for the Mets? Right, who was who was giving all those guys the the, the juice? No, I, I don't have to say allegedly. Like this, is just my my guess is, and I'd heard from enough people that steroid guy. But okay, but the difference is with him and Bonds is Bonds was caught in an investigation, and he was absolutely involved with Balco, absolutely. So, um, and you know, he used clever wording to say he never knew what he was doing, never knowingly used steroids, whatever. But it's again, it's like one guy was caught, the other guy was rumored to have been speeding. The guy who's caught pays the fine. There is no fine for you got your sped and nobody caught you. You just got lucky. Okay, what about here's one, what about David Ortiz? Okay. Um Ortiz in two thousand thirteen when they did the unnamed, let's just kind of See who's testing positive, see the numbers, alleged to have tested positive that year. But that year was you were granted amnesty, you're never suspended for it. Let's start with you, Dan Byer. What do you do with David Ortiz? Yeah, I think it's different. And I know Ortiz has fought back after that uh, that report. So I, I, I think that Ortiz should wait just because of the position of him being a DH. DH? Yeah. But um, I don't I don't link him to the steroid uh era if you will or that that other people do okay jace too it's interesting because uh i think manny ramirez is like the opposite case of david ortiz with me anyways manny ramirez uh wasn't really linked to it and then when they started testing 
he was dumb enough to do it and get caught. I think Dave Ortiz twice, was— Twice, I think, right? Yeah. Twice, yeah. twice. I believe twice. Yeah, right. And Dave Ortiz was, was uh, linked to a story kind of earlier on in his career and then played an, almost an entire career of being tested, and nothing came up. So I think I let Ortiz in for that reason. Uh, okay. I think people like let David Ortiz in because they like David Ortiz. Right, I think I think it's a, it's a popularity contest. They like him. Uh, I would not put David Ortiz in any way. One, he's a little bit borderline playing playing a DH, and two, the steroid thing. Sorry, and and he actually did get he actually did get caught on some level. So 